She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. Scooby-Doo, where are you? Episode 5. Decoy for a dog napper. In this episode, when a series of local dog nappings begin to worry prize-winning dog trainers, the gang offers to have Scooby-Doo pose as a decoy to catch the dog nappers. However, the plan backfires and Scooby ends up being dognapped. Now the gang really needs to find the dog nappers, who appear to be under the command of a ghostly witch doctor. Ooh. Its original air date was Saturday, October 11th, 1969. 1969. So we have our opening sequence, per usual. And then we get our episode title card, which is the animated one, once again, with the gang running in place under the title. Scooby-Doo, where are you? Decoy for a dog napper. Mm-hmm. And it's got the scrolling spooky background. So, so much for my odds and evens theory, because this is an <laughs> odd episode. And yet it is the one that I would think of maybe even. We'll find out. Anyway, so we open the scene and it's daytime. This is actually the first episode so far that opens in daytime. Usually it's nighttime oh, or spooky yeah. land, right? So Scooby's walking down a sidewalk in a residential neighborhood. That's a pretty nice neighborhood, too, based on the houses and all like gated entries and they're like McMansions or whatever. And the sidewalk is covered in fallen leaves, so it's probably like autumn. And Scooby looks pretty happy, and then he starts sniffing his way down the sidewalk through the leaves. And eventually, he runs right into this statue of a deer and stubs his nose. So, again, probably a nicer neighborhood. It's got like statuary like in the sidewalks. Mm-hmm. So then he sees this very fancy toy poodle type dog being walked by its owner. And so he gussies himself up and he grabs a bunch of flowers. And then he stands in this gated entry with the flowers in his mouth. And he's all, hero, as the dog and his owner walk by. But they completely ignore him. Mm-hmm. And so he's all, oh. And he watches them walk. And as they walk, they go into this area that's kind of obscured by bushes. And then inside the bushes, we hear this commotion. And a woman cries out for help. And we all hear the dog whimper. And then we see someone run out of the bushes with the poodle. And from inside the bushes, the owner is like all, my princess has been dog mad. And Scooby's like, rug wrapped. And then he growls and he bares his teeth. Uh oh. Uh oh. That's mm-hmm. not good. Not good. So then we're at the beach and it's nighttime. And Shaggy and Velma are sitting by a fire and Shaggy's roasting hot dogs on a stick. And Fred and Daphne are dancing, which they seem to be doing a lot whenever we join them and they're like having recreation time. I notice Fred yeah. and Daphne usually like to dance. And we hear Scooby barking off screen and Daphne notes that it sounds like Scooby. And so she and Fred stop dancing and Fred must see him coming because he's like, well, Scooby's sure in a hurry. And Scooby runs over to Shaggy who asks what's wrong. And Scooby changes the station on the radio. And so it goes from music to a news bulletin. And it announces the third dog napping of prize winning dogs in three days. And the announcement also says, that Buck Masters, whose dog was the first that was dognapped, has offered a $500 reward. Fred tells the gang they've just been handed their next mystery, and Scooby is excited. Yeah, because, you know, got to save that pretty dog. Yeah. Yeah. Save the dog. Also, there's no ghosts involved. You know, it's a good one, right? Yeah, <laughs> seems that way. No ghosts. That's a plus, right? $500 in 1969 is roughly $3,700 in 2021. Wow. Which, when you think about it, though, like, isn't really a lot. Like, if your dog was stolen, especially if they got like a prize winning dog. True. But 
yeah i don't know yeah i've actually been kind of wondering how they make money because they seem to solve all these mysteries and catch all these people who are trying to like steal treasure but they generally don't get the treasure that they save because obviously it goes to like the person that it was being stolen from or whatever and so i think they must work for a lot of reward money like that must be a big part of their income (laughs) What I don't think it really happens in this series or in the second season, but as the whole Scooby Doo like mythos, Daphne is like super rich. So basically, Daphne supports everything they do. Like she pays. Yeah. So I figured it was like Fred or Daphne was also kind yeah. of bankrolling a lot of yeah, it. Cause, yeah, because Fred dresses like he like yachts or something. I'm wondering they have a yacht too. I don't know if that's Fred's yacht or Daphne's yacht, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, it turns out Daphne is like super rich apparently. So. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, which explains some of the stuff we're going to see later in this episode. So Buckmasters is seated at a large desk and his office is full of photos of prize winning dogs. And he even has like a statue of one of his dogs. And he's also got a huge set of buffalo horns on the wall behind him. I actually found a similar vintage trophy horns online. They're like 50 inches across and they cost 435 pounds, which is about 600 US dollars. Though I imagine the shipping from the UK would be pretty steep, but yeah. So, are you going to start collecting vintage horns? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, yeah, I don't know. I probably can't. They're actually on the Isle of Wight, which is interesting as well, too. So, nice. But yeah, I'm not sure why there's giant buffalo horns in the UK. I don't think buffalo were in the UK. I guess some British trophy hunter. I have no idea. Anyway, Master says that he's refused to pay the ransom and would rather use the money to catch the dog nappers. So I don't know if the ransom is also $500. If so, again, not a lot of money, which is kind of weird, but anyway. And he says he was sure to win first prize at the county dog show, but now Bob Miller's Great Dane is a shoo-in to win. And Scooby kind of perks up at the mention of Great Dane because Scooby is a Great Dane. And Fred also makes note of Bob Miller's dog being a Great Dane. Kind of like elbows Daphne. And Daphne asks if Bob Miller's dog isn't also in danger then. But Master says that he has warned Miller and Miller only takes his dog out for walks at night and only on Beach Boulevard near the police station. So, yeah, I don't know if walking the dog at night is more secure, but OK. I mean, being yeah, by the police station would be, I guess. Well, I mean, the poodle was kidnapped during the day. We don't know what happened with the other two. That's true. So, yeah. So yeah. maybe they're working during the day. So it just seems safer. So Fred tells Masters that they're going to find the dog nappers. And Velma's like, dog nappers beware. And Masters doubts they can do anything and doesn't have any clues to help them. And Fred is like, oh, don't you worry. We have a plan. In the back of the mystery machine, seated around a table and surrounded by electronic equipment on the walls, Fred looks at a photo of Bob Miller's Great Dane. So the plan is basically to trick the dog nappers with a decoy and then track them to their hideout. So they're going to use this tiny tracker thing that Fred holds up, and it's about the size of a silver dollar. So that's about as tiny as they get in 1969. But yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty big, but it's like also 1969. So yeah. Yeah, I mean the fact that they have this van outfitted with all this technology and stuff that would make Alec Hardison very happy. Yeah, is- the van is hooked up. It is just full. It's like yeah. That's yeah, I think pretty- maybe Daphne's money is coming into play a little bit here in the van. <laughs> yeah. So. So they've got a good setup for solving mysteries and it's kind of like how in Spider-Man and his amazing friends, when they would get ready to like track down villains, like they'd pull this lever in Peter's bedroom and like the beds and all the bookcases would flip over. And there'd be like all this computer stuff in Aunt May's house. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not as fancy, but yeah. So Shaggy's like, yeah, but who's going to be the decoy Scooby-Doo? 
And Scooby's like, nope, uh uh-uh, not me. And Shaggy says Scooby has a point. Who would confuse Scooby with a prize-winning dog? Which, you know, poor Scooby. But but also, I mean, I kind of get it. Like, he's he's a great Dane, but he's definitely not, like, purebred show dog. And Daphne says Scooby will be great, and he'll be brave. And Scooby's still like, nope. And so Daphne whips out a Scooby snack for courage, and she tosses it to him. And Scooby opens his mouth, and he's ready to catch this delicious treat. And then Shaggy leans in with his own mouth and catches it instead. And so, like, Shaggy eats it, and Velma's like, why did you do that? And so Shaggy swallows, and he's like, I know whose job it's going to be to take the decoy for a walk. So obviously he knows he's going to be the one walking decoy Scooby. Mm. And then he's like, hmm, that Scooby snack was not bad. And Daphne tosses a second Scooby stack to Scooby and Shaggy also tries to steal that one, but Scooby manages to like push him away and catch it himself. Yeah. So the very first time that Shaggy eats Scooby snacks. Yep. Right here. Although it kind of gets retconned later in a pup named Scooby-Doo. He eats some too, but for now, first time Shaggy is eating <laughs> Scooby snacks. And he, apparently they're pretty good. Like I said, they look like peanut butter cookie dough. So well, if they're peanut butter cookie dough, that would be delicious. If they're actually dog treats, then no, thank you. But you know, well, and that would work for. I mean, dogs like peanut butter too. So I mean, that would work, right? Yeah. So maybe not great to feed your dog peanut butter cookie dough, but Scooby seems to eat a lot of not dog food. So yeah. Oh yes. (laughs) Yes, he does. Yeah. So Scooby gets a bath and he gets a fancy new collar, which we assume includes the tracking device. And then along with Shaggy, who's dressed in a hat and a trench coat, the two of them take Bob Miller's place that night on Beach Boulevard. And as they're walking, there's a stray dog and the stray dog is a female dog. And it sees Scooby and gets like the cartoon heart eyes. Woo-hoo, Scooby is amazing looking <laughs> apparently after getting a bath. And so Scooby is like, oh, hey, lady dog. And so he like starts to go over there, too. But then Shaggy's like, hey, we got a job to do. You know, mind on the business kind of thing. So they just walk right past the dog, kind of similar to how the dog and the lady walk right past Scooby. Mm-hmm. This dog, however, does not like being snubbed and so, like, runs ahead of them and then kicks a full can of garbage towards them. She's not, yes, scorned. Woo. And Shaggy's like, oh, and he grabs his hat and he manages to catch all the garbage in his hat in that kind of cartoon way of catching garbage with like this inverted pyramid is like sticking out of his hat full of garbage. Mm-hmm. So now Scooby doesn't need another bath. And he tells Scooby that's a good thing he's a dog lover. And then he's like, oh, because like the garbage apparently really smells. So mm-hmm. got a big yeah. pile of stinking garbage in his hat. Mm. And it was commercial. Hmm. Yeah. Weird commercial break, but I guess you got, you know, capitalism or capitalism. So <laughs> got to wedge it in where you can. It's so funny if you watch like older shows on like streaming networks and they try and shove the commercials in and they cut them at the wrong place. And it's just, it's always really frustrating. It's like, come on, guys. Well, I've noticed too in older shows, it seems like commercial breaks just happen wherever they happen. Like they're not like more standardized like they are in like modern television. Like sometimes the gap is really small between commercials and sometimes it's really big between commercials. It's kind of strange. Yeah. So Shaggy and Scooby are walking down Beach Boulevard when a van nearby starts up and it begins to release a ton of smoke. And as Shaggy notices, they're basically engulfed in smoke and they can't see anything. And then we see someone cut Scooby's leash with a pair of scissors and we hear Scooby cry out for help. And Shaggy realizes they've gotten Scooby and he tries to chase the van on foot. But he basically realizes there's no way I'm going to catch them like this. So he stops at this gas station and he asks the attendant if he has any wheels that he can borrow. And it's an emergency. 
And the guy, Charlie, is like, well, just my scooter. And Shaggy's like, thanks. And he's already like riding off on the scooter after the van. So he's yeah. chasing after. Yeah. I don't I'm know. I'm assuming what... Shaggy knows Charlie and then just like read his like didn't like just read his name tag, but who knows? Yeah. It's also weird to me that they knew. I mean, I guess the mystery machine kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. So you couldn't really park it in sight of where Scooby and Shaggy were. But it feels like yeah. they should monitoring that a little more closely <laughs> yeah well i mean the big like mystery machine painted on the side doesn't exactly yeah uh, yeah it's not exactly covert or anything yeah. so meanwhile speaking of which the rest of the gang are driving the mystery machine which now has a little fancy spinning antenna array on top of it too to go with all the fancy equipment inside and fred says they're on beach boulevard but there's no shine of shaggy and scooby so they apparently just showed up just after all the stuff happened and Velma is sitting in the back and she's got a radar type display and she's got like headphones on. And she says that Scooby's transmitter is moving fast. The dog nappers must have him. So Fred is like, okay, this is it. Here we go. And they fly, take off after the signal. So Shaggy is still in pursuit on Charlie's scooter. And we can hear Scooby like continuing to cry from help from the van. And then suddenly we hear this like Native American war cry, which I'm not going to try and do because I will totally mess it up. And Shaggy is like, oh, no. And we see this ghost of like a Native American warrior who's wielding a tomahawk and he's got a shield and he's riding a ghost horse. And Shaggy's like, man, it's Geronimo. And then he hits a log on the scooter and it goes flying because he wasn't looking where he was going. He was watching the ghost. And so, boom, hits this log and the ghost rides past. And then Shaggy looks out from some bushes that he landed in. So much for no ghost. I know. Here we thought it was a ghostless case, but nope, there is a ghost. Nope. So in a room somewhere with stone walls and wooden floors, we see three cages and the three dognap dogs are in them. And they're all whining and whimpering. And as we pan across, we see some guy in a chauffeur outfit standing in front of a huge crate. And he's like, I got him, boss. And next to the crate is the boss, which I guess we'll call him the witch doctor because that's what the episode calls him. And, yeah. he, and this is... Mm, mm. I mean, <laughs> this keeps happening in the show, and I know that it's just like 1969, yeah. but it's just like tinged with this weird racism that you're like, why? <laughs> why did you have to throw that in there? But anyway, he's dressed in these tan buckskin clothes, and he's got like the fringe trim and the sewn moccasins and the huge white buffalo headdress complete with like horns. And then he has this like purple tribal mask that covers his face and part of his chest. And so, like, he's dressed like, you know, Native American witch doctor, which I don't even think that's a thing. But anyway. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, I guess you would say shaman, but I don't even yeah. know if they did the big, like, tribal mask thing. But yeah, yeah, I don't know that that's anyway. It doesn't matter. It's not real. But yeah. And <laughs> so then he tells Mike, the chauffeur, that he did a great job getting Bob Miller's Great Dane. And his voice is definitely like it sounds like a white dude so definitely not native american shaman which he doctor, sounds, kind he of. sounds very yeah. yeah so you can kind of guess that this is probably another white dude appropriating something for his evil scheme which yeah. seems to be and also not even like just standard white dude but like you did a great job mike like <laughs> like okay yeah so he opens the crate so they can have a look and scooby's inside and the witch doctor tells mike he's a fool how could he mistake this mutt for a show dog? And poor Scooby's like, you know, here he's feeling all proud and clean with his new collar and his bath. And, you know, now he's being told that he couldn't pass for a show dog for even five seconds. 
So Mike says, yeah. well, he was right where you said he would be. And the witch doctor is like, get rid of this phony decoy. And Mike is like, how? And so the witch doctor is like, give him a ride down the mountain in the old hand car, which I kind of think is supposed to be like maybe just a euphemism. Like maybe he means take the dog out back and do your thing. But no, Mike takes him literally. So, uh, but then he's like, by the time it stops, he'll be 20 miles out of town or whatever. So, like, that's yeah. well, plan. I mean, it is a cartoon. I mean, yeah, in reality, they'd be like, oh, yeah, go out in the back and like shoot the dog, right? Just yeah, because they're dog nappers. They don't care. They only care about the money. So, but yeah. Yeah, it's just, it seems like a weird plan to like strat. It just seems overly complicated, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, just release the dog into the wild. He'll just run away. But anyway. Yeah. But also, fine. yeah, you're right. Poor Scooby. First, like Shaggy disses him. And now some like random witch doctor guy is like telling him he's not a good dog. That's not nice. Poor Scooby. Yeah. So Mike grabs Scooby to put him back in the crate. And Scooby like, boom, like his claws pop out and he goes into the wood floor. But Mike apparently is like super strong. He like just picks Scooby up and like the floorboards come up with Scooby. And he puts him back in the crate. Mm -hmm. And then the gang has found Shaggy and he's telling them about the ghost he saw. And Fred is like, are you sure you saw a ghost? And Shaggy is like, yes, I definitely saw a ghost. And then Velma finds this tomahawk next to some railroad tracks. And she says it's an authentic artifact that is at least a thousand years old. Don't know how she knows that, that, but she does. And that jives with Shaggy's ghost, which, I mean, obviously doesn't jive with Shaggy's ghost because the ghost was like riding a horse and they weren't reintroduced into Americas until like the 15th century. And so a thousand year old tomahawk and whatever, but it's a cartoon and who knows? So still weird yeah. though. And also why wouldn't the tomahawk be ghostly too? Why would it be a real tomahawk the ghost is carrying? Why wouldn't he have like a spectral tomahawk? Yeah. But, I have a theory that it's not I'm really probably overthinking this. Yeah. I have a theory that it's not a thousand years old, that it's just like a cheap knockoff. And then it was left there so that anyone who saw the ghost would like come back. and. But find then it. you're saying that Velma can't tell the difference between a real artifact and a fake artifact. Maybe it's Are a you good willing thing. to go there? I am. Maybe. I mean, Ooh. she's going to get better. I'm not saying she's not very smart, but I don't think she's always right. And maybe this. Oh, wow. So fooled. Velma is your scully. I see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love Velma. I'm just saying she glanced at it for like three seconds. I don't even think a real archaeologist could like authenticate it that quickly. Maybe Velma is a robot and she has like, like, you know, <laughs> like carbon dating software in her fingertips and she's like, Ch -ch -ch -ch. I mean, that is unlikely, but you never know. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> so then Daphne, who's been back in the van, she's been sitting at the tracking display while Velma and Fred were talking to Shaggy. And she says that Scooby's tracker is moving again. So Fred says they need to plot an intercept course. And so it turns out that Mike has strapped the crate containing Scooby to like an old railroad hand car with a little, you know, pump action going on. And he gives it a push and it starts going down the mountain and it picks up speed pretty quickly. So they must be at a pretty good incline. So, yeah. Yeah. So inside Scooby pops out this enormously long claw from his, his paw and he uses it to saw a hole in the top of the crate. And then he sticks his head out of it. And in the mystery machine, the gang sees the handcart zip by on the set of tracks. that's like kind of in front of them. And Shaggy realizes it was Scooby and they like start chasing it alongside. So Fred gets the van alongside it and Shaggy leaps out onto the handcart just in time as the track leads onto this trestle that like goes over this cliff gap thing that they couldn't have driven alongside. 
And so Fred manages to stop the van at the edge of the cliff. Whew. Yeah. See, yeah, Shaggy some, can be brave when he needs that's to. That's some action stuff going on. Well, I mean, he's, it's, just, it's Scooby. I do <laughs> wonder why dog, Scooby yeah. didn't just like, if he's going to saw a hole to stick his head through, why didn't he just saw like a hole big enough to, like, to get out and jump off? I know, but, I know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so Shaggy tells Scooby that once they slow down enough, he'll get him out of the crate. But then he hears this train and he's like, oh, no, it's the Midnight Special. And the Midnight Special, we see it is like heading across the trestle from the other side right towards them. Right. So like heading for a collision. So Shaggy manages. He's trying to pull a rusty brake, but it won't go because it's rusty. But then Scooby like reaches out and like grabs him and together they pull it and they break it. And then Shaggy just starts pumping the handle like crazy to get the hand car moving back in their direction. Right. Trying to outrace the train. I don't know mm-hmm. what's going to happen, but. Yeah, but the gang hears the train and Fred is like, oh, wait, I remember there was a switch back at the crossroads. They back up the van and they take off of the switch. Meanwhile, Shaggy is like pumping the handcart like his life depends on it because it kind of does. And the train still is barreling towards them, getting closer and closer and closer. And its horn is blaring. And you're kind of like, why isn't the train trying to break? That's just but. Mm hmm. Yeah, so Scooby barks because he's got his head turned around. And he apparently sees the gang, and Fred pulls the switch pack handle, and the handcar goes onto the sidetrack. And then Fred flips it back just in time for the train to pass harmlessly. And Shaggy and Scooby are stopped on the sidetrack, and everyone's safe. Yay! Phew, phew, that was in the commercial. Also, kids don't drive on train tracks. Just you know, don't no. Do yeah, at one point it looks like they are driving on the train track, but then obviously yeah. they're, they're beside the train tracks. But yeah. Yeah. So Daphne and Velma praise Scooby, who's out of the crate, and they tell him that he was brave. And Shaggy lays collapsed on the tan cart and he's like panting. And Fred says they still need to find out who and where the dog nappers are. And he asks Scooby if he can lead them back to where they took him. And Scooby says, Yeah. And he starts doing an impression of the ghost of the Native American warrior and war cry. And Shaggy's like, Oh no, not the ghost of Geronimo. And Scooby's like, yeah, 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 Geronimo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the whole Geronimo thing is not cool and definitely Mm -hmm. doesn't like fit in with the whole like thousand year old thing either. But, you know, sometimes you just got to roll with it when you're talking about old stuff that. I mean, yeah, we can just say this is obviously racist and offensive. And this. Yeah. I mean, I. I tried to write it like without <laughs> mentioning all this kind of stuff. And it got so hard to like phrase things. I was just like, fine. I'm just, we're just going to do it. And I think it's, it's like, good to kind of talk about it just so we can say like, look, yeah. this is what. Well, the other thing too, happened. is you know I mean? Not that we we're like quoting now. real people, right? but I didn't want to like put words in their mouth of like, you know, them saying things they didn't say, like they don't say native American. They say Indian all the time. Right. Right. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So Fred, Daphne, and Velma work the hand car while Scooby and Shaggy sit in the front and Shaggy makes train noises. And Velma, between pumps, says they can probably do without the sound effects. Yeah, she's not really like, just, yeah. I mean, it's hard I work. Vel- I don't think Velma enjoys working the pump, even though it's like Fred on one side and Daphne and Velma are like working the other side. So they're doing it together. Yeah. But yeah, not I'm not sure it. that, yeah, I don't think Velma's into it. Yeah. And then suddenly an arrow strikes the hand car between Shaggy and Scooby. And everyone runs for cover behind some rocks as the ghostly rider reappears, giving its war cry. And it passes, and they all head back to the hand car. And they look at the arrow, and Shaggy says, this is real, man, like in the movies, which is <laughs> a great line. And Fred pulls the arrow out of the deck and says, 
it's not real. This arrow was factory made. <sighs> and then Shaggy points and says, is that real? And we see a cliff village that's been dug out of the side of the mountain. It's the Anasazi. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, we found the Anasazi village. The lost. Actually, I think I think archaeologists know where that is, so it's not really lost. But yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> X-Files reference. So Fred says they need to go up there and he builds <laughs> he builds this giant slingshot slash like bow and arrow kind of thing. It's got this huge arrow on it with a big old stone arrow head and he pulls his handle and it releases and the arrow flies and it strikes the ledge on the cliff. It's got a big rope attached to it. And so like Fred's idea is like, we'll launch this giant arrow onto the cliff village and it'll hit the cliff village and then we'll climb up the rope. So he tugs on the rope and is like, it's solid. Now we just have to climb up there. And Scooby's like, mm-hmm, tries to slink away. But then Velma's like, get back here, Scooby. And so he does. So he actually listens. Didn't need a Scooby snack or nothing. He's kind of like, okay. So I guess he listens to Velma. So we, we cut out the whole climbing part, but they apparently yeah. do it. And it's not a problem. And they're fine. <laughs> and really? they're standing directly in front of the ancient cave dwellings. Shaggy is like, Man, those are spooks filled. Scooby agrees. And they start to explore when suddenly the witch doctor appears and is opening above them and is like shaking maracas, like little like bean rattles or whatever. I mean, they're probably not maracas because again, wrong culture, but whatever. And he says, leave this place, pale face intruders or suffer fate of Spanish conquistadores buried in desert below. Remember my warning and go. And then he's gone. Scooby is also gone because he ran away during this whole escapade. (laughs) I'd run away too. I'd be like, you know what? I don't need this racist (laughs) crap. I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) Go peddle your nonsense elsewhere. Velma says that ghost spoke pretty good English for someone a thousand years old, even though he did drop like two different articles to kind of get that native feel. But anyway, so Fred is like, well, we know where to head now because they saw where the ghost was, right? And Shaggy is like, hey, Scooby's missing. And so Fred is like, ah, don't worry. Scooby will catch up. And they head off. And then Scooby pops up out of this giant clay pot and runs after them, which I guess proves Fred correct. Scooby caught up to them. So, yeah, I guess hey, Fred's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. So the cliff dwelling has caves with stalactites, apparently. I don't know why that would yeah. be near your dwelling. <laughs> but sure. I mean, they've also got all these nice houses that, you know, have been carved out of the stone and like dwell. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. they explore the caves. So, and there's also wood a floors lot of, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's wood nice, doors except for and, the yeah. caves, but that's where they are. They're in the caves. And there's also a lot of bats in the caves. So the bats swarm Shaggy and Velma, and one flies off with Velma's glasses. Oh, and no. As Shaggy and Velma dance around trying to avoid the onslaught of bats, the one with Velma's glasses conveniently drops them on Scooby's face. And he's like cowering, and the glasses land on his nose. And Scooby opens his eyes and he sees the bat coming back towards him. But because he has Velma's glasses on, it looks huge. And so he runs. I mean, he probably would have ran anyway, but yeah, he probably would have. (laughs) So Shaggy manages to escape the bats and he runs into a room and Scooby is wrapped in the native American blanket and is wearing a huge native mask. And he says, right, Reggie Shaggy, who's still looking behind him says, right, Ruby. And then says, he's glad to get away from the bats. 
And then he turns around and he sees Scooby in the mask and he runs away yelling, it's Geronimo. And Scooby follows because he thinks the ghost is behind him. And he's like, run around and runs away. <laughs> yeah, I did think it funny that Shaggy also like spoke like Scooby because he's like, right, Ruby? He's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just. <laughs> if that's rude, like is he making fun of Scooby? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's like when you talk to your kid and like you start talking like that. I, mean, I don't have a kid, Maybe. but you know, you've seen people do that. I mean, I have a really bad thing where I inadvertently start to mimic people when I talk to them. So like if they mm-hmm. have an accent, I will I will develop an accent mm-hmm. or I will like match the way they speak, which can get really bad. There yeah. was one time I worked in Las Vegas and I was speaking with someone who, you know, was Hispanic. And as we're as we're partying, they asked if I spoke Spanish. And of course I said no, I don't, but I was speaking it with like a Spanish accent. It was kind of messed up. It's like yeah. I couldn't control it. It was not good. Um, <laughs> but I can't help it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I used to wait tables and that was always a thing. Like if someone had a strong accent, I had to be really careful because I do in my ear, just like, I don't know, my brain just is like, oh, accents tries to slip into it. And I'm like, why am I doing that? I do, I've yeah. never been to Australia. Why am I trying to talk like this Australian dude? Like, don't do that. That's rude. But like, I don't know. It's weird how like sometimes you just, yeah, Your fortunately, I'm not around people as often <laughs> as well. I'm not, I won't, don't want to say as often as I want to be because I really don't want to be around people at all, I'll be honest with you. But I'm not around people very often, so it doesn't happen. But like, yeah, yeah like, I have, like I don't do it on purpose, but it's just like, oh, and so, yeah, sometimes they must think I'm just a total dick. Yeah, I have to be really careful but, not to. I have to be <laughs> conscious of it because otherwise I can like slip into that because it's easy. I don't know. I mean, we're humans. We're one of the weird things about us is that we're like biologically. I, or maybe I don't know we just know that like if you mimic someone that's a good way to like integrate yourself with them I guess like evolutionarily speaking and so like I think it's just one of those holdover things that just sometimes yeah. happens well I am I am kind of a throwback <laughs> so that makes sense All right. so anyway so inside another room the still disguised Scooby taps on Shaggy's shoulder because they like they both ran right and so they both end up in this room and Scooby is still disguised and he taps on Shaggy's shoulder but when Shaggy turns around, unfortunately, Scooby has the mask turned up. So Shaggy's like, oh, it's Scooby. He's not scared, thinking it's Geronimo's ghost again. But then Scooby is also wearing Velma's glasses. And so Shaggy grabs him and is like, why are you wearing Velma's glasses? And he actually looks kind of mad. I'm not sure what's going on. Maybe he's mad because like, he thinks Scooby was like, you know, joking him again with the whole dressing up like a ghost. Who knows? Meanwhile, Velma is standing next to a totem pole. And she's got like her hands out because she's like totally blind, you know, with no glasses. So she's like feeling around her environment. And she touches a totem pole and she thinks it's Shaggy and that he's petrified with fear. And then she feels down on the carving, which when you think about it is like, why is she feeling down Shaggy? I'm not sure. But she (laughs) thinks it's Scooby and that he's also scared stiff. But then the real Shaggy and Scooby approach and Shaggy hands her glasses and she's like, oh, thanks. Where'd you find them? He's like, it's a long story. But yeah. It's kind of hilarious that she thinks that Scooby and Shaggy are so scared they literally turn to wood. Like, they literally get petrified. Yeah. I mean, that's what happened in Little Green Man, right? The dude, like, froze with fear and died. It's true. Like, stuck like that. (laughs) Poor Uh, Jorge. R.I.P. Jorge. R.I.P. Jorge Concepcion. Yep. Rest in peace. Poor man. Yeah. I mean, the same thing happened in, was it the very first episode with the night? Where she thought the night in the stockade was shaggy and his voice was just all messed up because he hadn't been taking his cough medicine. Oh, true, so, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. when she can't see, she cannot see. No, she's so. one of those people who really does need her glasses. So yeah. 
I'm not like that. I'm really lucky. Like I can drive without my glasses if I need to. I can like see without them. I just start to get headaches if I don't wear them. So, and I can see better with them, obviously, especially if I'm reading or using a computer or trying to focus on things. But I, I mean, I can see. I'm not blind. That's crazy. You have them. glasses and you can see better with them. That's that's. A, Isn't that that's weird? weird it's such a weird thing. <laughs> So Fred and Daphne find what Fred thinks is the ceremonial building. And Daphne says that would be the perfect place to find the witch doctor. And inside there's this fire burning in this brassiere in the center of the room. And Fred doubts it's been burning for a thousand years. And Daphne's like, this place is giving me goosebumps. And suddenly fire like explodes out of the fire that's already there and kind of just fills the room in the sheet. And when it retreats, the witch doctor is standing before them. And he says, they have violated the sacred temple. And if they do not leave now, they will remain here forever. And then the fire flares up again. And when it recedes, he's gone. <sighs> so Daphne grabs Fred's arm and says, they found him. And now they should get out of there. And Fred says he wants to check the altar. And Daphne's like, fine, you check it. I'm going to sit over here and I'm going to I'm going to wait away from the scary stuff. And so she sits on this stone bench and Fred heads toward the altar and the floor under the bench recedes and the bench and Daphne go down with it. And then it rises back up. But the bench is empty and Fred <gasps> turns around and he calls for Daphne and he realizes she's gone. Oh, no, Daphne, Daphne. And then we get a commercial. Oh no! Which actually fits our more modern. I mean, oh, I'm hoping Daphne didn't die, but commercial yeah, break well, when that happens. Yeah, yeah. So Shaggy and Scooby are walking around the cliff dwellings when Scooby smells something. He smells food. So Shaggy is super excited, and he follows him down some stairs, and they're in this room that's full of shelves of food. And Shaggy is so excited he almost can't stand it. He starts like listing off all the food. And he's like, "Wow, these Pueblo Indians sure know how to eat." <laughs> And then he realizes that it's all modern food. He's like, that's not Indian food. And Scooby finds a stack of Ruby Rude, which is cans of dog food. And Shaggy's like, whoa, this must be the dog nappers hideout. We found it. And then he's like, well, you know, there doesn't seem many dog nappers around right now. So we should probably fortify ourselves with a little snack. So, <laughs> yeah, apparently there's like ham and, and, and salami and just all kinds of food in there. Yeah. So, yeah, so Shaggy makes a gigantic stack sandwich like he normally does, right? Big old tall levels. It's got like hard-boiled eggs and salami and ham and all this kind of stuff on it. And while Shaggy's making the sandwich, Scooby peers into a cupboard and he sees something kind of strange. But then before he can say anything to Shaggy, this hand comes out of a hidden compartment in the rocky wall and it pushes Scooby into the cupboard. And then Shaggy gives us our show title reminder and he says, Scooby-Doo, where are you? And we see Scooby sliding down this huge slide mm -hmm. and he lands in front of the dog cages that we saw before and he slides across them on the floor and he smacks in a support beam and Daphne is sitting there and she's tied to the support beam. So she tells him to untie her quickly because that witch doctor might come back at any time. So apparently the witch doctor tied her to the beam. Mm -hmm. so. so Fred is still futzing around with the altar <laughs> next to so like instead of looking for Daphne which I know seriously dude like why aren't you looking for Daphne you're like oh well Daphne's gone well I'm still gonna take out this altar I said I was going to come on Fred oh my god um, <laughs> but then the altar slides away and it reveals a secret passage and then Velma appears rising up on a stone seat and Fred is like Velma what are you doing here and Velma's like 
I don't know. I sat down to rest and now I'm here. And then Daphne pops in from around the corner and she's like, come with me. So yeah. I guess they found Daphne. <laughs> yeah. So they freed the dogs and the dog's tails are wagging and they're looking up at Scooby because he's their hero. And Fred congratulates Scooby for finding them. And Velma's like, does this mean we solved the mystery? And Fred is like, no, not yet. And he asks Scooby to ask the dogs if they know anything about the witch doctor. So they bark back and forth. And then Scooby says they know where to find him. So then Shaggy is walking and he's got his giant sandwich. And he's like, well, I may as well eat this while I'm looking for Scooby. And then all four dogs run past him. They're barking. They knock him down and his sandwich flies up in the air. And then again, in cartoon fashion, he manages to save it because it comes down in pieces. And he's all makes the sandwich back. And then he basically unhinges his jaw. And eats the entire sandwich in one bite. And then Fred and Daphne and Velma run past him. They're like, follow the dogs. And so the dogs then are like sliding down the set of cliff ladders. And they're just like all, and their ears are flapping. And they're all like super happy. And then Daphne and Velma and Fred come sliding down too. And then Shaggy's last, which is probably good. Because like his butt is bouncing off all the rungs as he goes down. He's like, ah. And like they're all snapping as he goes down. So he's like busting the ladder as he goes down. Yeah. So. That would be me. I'm <laughs> the one breaking the ladder as we go down. <laughs> so the witch doctor sees the dogs running towards him and they chase him up a support beam. And Scooby grabs the mask and pulls it off and reveals Buck Masters. <gasps> and Masters is like, you blasted kids. Why didn't you mind your own business? And Fred says, catching dog nappers is our business because Scooby-Doo is a dog and we love him very much. Aww. And Scooby's like, aw, too. It's cute. Aww. And then in the Mesa County Sheriff's Office, the sheriff tells the gang it was quite a plot they uncovered. Masters kidnapped all the dogs who could beat his dog in the contest and then planned for his dog to be miraculously rescued right before the show. And the sheriff asked them about the ghost they saw, and Fred says it was just footage from a projector that Masters used. And then Shaggy sees a shadow on the wall and he cries out that the ghost is back. But it's just Scooby-Doo standing in front of the light with a tomahawk and a feather duster behind his head. And Scooby laughs. Oh, Scooby. And then it's the end credit sequence and it's over. Yep. So they've solved the mystery. They They solved the the mystery. And everything's good now. Well, I have a couple of questions. So one... (laughs) Well, I have one. Why all the appropriation, Buckmasters? What's going on, dude? Like, come on. <laughs> come on. Like, why is it got to like, I don't know. I mean, I guess you got to, you know, I don't know. Why do know. you have to go there? Why can't you just be yeah. another? And also, their projectors that project ghosts, this happens a lot in the series. Like, they have some pretty sweet technology for 1969. Because I feel like you can only just now kind of project that kind of living image. And yeah. And have it look that real. Yeah, because it's almost like holographic, like. It's not like on, so it's like in the middle of the air kind of thing. Right, you know? yeah. Yeah. So what, did they get Mike? Did they arrest Mike? I don't know. I the would henchman, hope so. The chauffeur? I'm guessing he's Buckmaster's chauffeur. So Buckmaster is apparently doing pretty good with the dog show circuit, even though he's only paying like $500 for like rewards and stuff. But yeah, did they get Mike? No mention of Mike. Mike just gets away scot-free. I don't know. Also, did they get the reward money? Like Buckmaster said he was going to pay them $500. But then Buck Masters is the bad guy. So, like, does he still have to pay? Probably not, which is kind of crappy. 
Yeah. Again, yeah. See, I'm wondering how they make a living. I guess Daphne's just bankrolling. Daphne's the whole super thing. rich. Yeah, I mean, Fred is it. probably kind of well off too. Yeah, I mean, he's not doing he's not doing too shabby with his cravat and everything. But yeah, yeah. the geography of Scooby Doo World is very interesting though, because like they're like in this fancy like suburban area, and then like they're at the beach, but then also they've got like ancient Indian like cliff dwellings nearby, and like they're in Mesa County Sheriff's office like are they driving how far are they driving i don't know what's going on yeah i don't know i mean i could see a city being close to those kinds of ruins but i don't know about like a beach also being in the mix that's a lot of things yeah i mean it could be well no because they were definitely on it's not necessarily the same beach they were at even though it is the same footage they used in the previous episode which is why it's nighttime when scooby Mm -hmm. runs up instead of being daytime but yeah i mean it could be a lake maybe in the scene supposedly but yeah, just a lot of questions I have about the geography of Scooby-Doo World. So, yeah. And then my last question is just, if they have all this fancy tracking equipment, why did they need to use a decoy? Why didn't they just put the tracker on Bob Miller's dog? And then there wouldn't be any chance of, like, decoy discovery, right? They could just track yeah. the dog right to the location. I guess maybe Bob Miller didn't want to play that game. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, Fred came up with that idea before they even talked to Bob Miller, but... Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That's like, why would you put your plan, dog in danger but... if you didn't have to? I mean, yeah. not that you should just callously put other dogs in danger, but... Yeah, I was going to say... It was technically already in danger, danger, so you were just making sure that you could find it. I mean... Yeah, but, yeah. it's true. Yeah. It's kind of like using your kid, like there's a kidnapper, and so you're like, oh, well, I'll just dress my kid up as the kind of kid the <laughs> kidnapper likes and use them. Like, that's yeah. not the best plan. But. No, I mean, if someone starts kidnapping tuxedo cats, I'm not going to throw a lock out there and be like, all right, let's see if they grab him. Well, I mean, as long if you got a tracking device and a cool van with all the equipment in your set. Yeah, I guess. Well, if I had like the leverage team or something helping me out, I wouldn't deal with that alone. Oh, you would get so obsessed with I'm really leverage. into it right now. I've been rewatching. It's really good. And I forgot how good it is. But I mean, it's the oh, same thing. They have a fan. <laughs> I mean, so it's the A team, but that's true. But I've never seen the A team. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I know, I know all about the A team. I just never really watched it. Okay. All right. Well, that was Scooby Doo. <laughs> Where are you? Which one of the Scooby Doo gang is B. A. Baracus? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> Shaggy's probably well. Uh, Shaggy. I don't know if Shaggy would be. Nah, Fred is probably Face. Shaggy's probably Murdoch. Um, although Fred could be, God, what was the leader dude's name? I forget now. I, I don't forgot. know. Never watched. He's it, the one so. guy whose name I can't remember. Anyway, enough of that. Oh, and by the way, if you're listening to this, thanks, because that means you're supporting us on Patreon, and that's super cool. And we kind of forget to say that, so thank you. Oh yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's hard to remember sometimes when you're just sitting in a closet talking that. You know, <laughs> Well, and also we're recording this so far ahead that it's hard to really remember that people who are listening are going to be like paid supporters who want to hear us talk about all these other non-X-Files but semi-related things. So it's like, you know, I think once we start releasing them and we start realizing people are listening, we'll be like, oh, wow, thanks, guys. But like right now, it's just kind of like, Yeah, because technically we're like six weeks out from it actually starting. So yeah, (laughs) we're a little, you know, we're just we're just trying to get ahead of the game so we don't drop the ball because yeah so you have stuff to listen to yep (laughs) all right i want to rewatch is hosted by tori and nick and recorded at black cat studios 
Episode production design and editing is by Lazian Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. Our premium feed is where you can find all of our X-Files adjacent bonus episodes covering television and films that are, you guessed it, X-Files adjacent. If you like these bonus episodes, tell a friend about our Patreon page. We'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode six of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? What the Hex is Going On? And try to figure out if, if the, the truth, truth is, is still, still out there. there. Yeah, I didn't color code this one like I normally do. No, it's totally fine. I know I by now it shouldn't need to be color coded. <laughs> I should know. <laughs> I want to rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Well, what are you doing? Aren't we doing the credits? No, we're gonna do, we gonna do them the after. Oh, yeah. okay. Sorry. I was like, we're doing the credits. That's what we're doing, no. right? The, no. the credits, the credits are color coded. You're probably like, what is he talking about? Yeah, I was like, I don't know. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Anyway, it's fine. I know how to record a podcast. I've been doing this for <laughs> almost a year now. Well, it keeps changing how we've been doing it. So <laughs> I think true. by now we'd have it down. Well, I keep trying to simplify things and then it just doesn't seem to be very simple. So <laughs> You mean trying to simplify things complicates them? That is not true of my life at all. <laughs> it seems that way, just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. All right. I should probably read the summary real quick. When a series of local dog nappings begin, Toria Prize winning dog trainer. Oh, try.